Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. We're in part four of living out the pattern of the kingdom on earth, and we started over in Revelation, where we were reading, <coughs> excuse me, in 22, about what, what it's going to be like for us in eternity. And the whole premise is, is that there are patterns that show us how to live now in preparing us for where we're going and what it's going to be like there. So today I want to start with life along the bank of the river. Okay, we're over in verse 6. Just going to read a short portion here. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? That is this, this 47 of Ezekiel, verse 6. Uh, he just shown him the vision. He just shown him uh, the, the river that kept becoming greater and greater. And he said, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. There's all different kinds of river. We live by one of the greatest rivers in America, by the way. Just I don't know how far it is the crow flies, but it's not very far. The Columbia River. And uh, it's a great example because if you go up into <coughs> Canada where the Columbia River starts, it's not much to look at. I've been there. But by the time it gets to Astoria, by the time you go over the bar, you get a whole different idea of what the Columbia is all about. That's kind of what this is. That's kind of what this whole thing that the Spirit of God just showed him. But he said when he brought me back to the, to the bank of the river, this, this word, it literally translates lip. When he brought me back to the lip of the river. That is, it's, it's the, the point he's getting across, it's a very distinct edge, this river of God. It, it's, not a, it's not a floodplain. It's not like a big beach, gradual, slow transition. It's a very distinct edge. The things in the kingdom become very distinct. And it's impossible for you to live in this river and have one foot in and one foot out. Can't do that on the lip. The whole point is, you're either in or out. As God just reveals to you, you say yes, and it's a process and all, and I get that. But when it comes down to the real deal, uh, are you in or are you out? <laughs> the river's influence and the impact of, uh, on the land where it flows. That's one of my, And so this whole allegory, this whole analogy is the river, of course, is, is the, the presence the, of Holy Spirit, the moving of the Spirit in the, in the world today. It takes on many different allegories as you go through the Bible, but river and water is one of the most prominent ways of, deter, of, de, of defining and illustrating the way the Spirit of God moves. Also wind and breath, and, but here in Ezekiel's vision, it was water. The lesson that Ezekiel was given about the river deepening, the ever-deepening river can be thought of as, as the what. So last week I went through the shallow water to the very deep water. That's, that's the what of the kingdom reality. It gets more and more the longer you're in it. That's the what. What's it like? It's ever-increasing. Well, I started out here. Does that mean 20 years from now I'm still here? No, no, no. You may be, but if you're really in, the river's going to carry you deeper. <laughs> oh, you might be washed up on the, on the shore from time to time, but he'll, he'll, he'll gather you up, he'll pull you back, he'll get you going again. But this whole thing that Ezekiel, what the Spirit of God was showing him is Ezekiel, there's forward movement. You're going somewhere. The Spirit of God is taking you somewhere. The Spirit of God is taking people's church somewhere. I don't even know where all, that all is. 
but I know he's taking you somewhere. And I know you folks, for the most part, have signed on to the journey. Thank you. I appreciate it. But it's not about me. It's about him. He's the one that determines how the river and where the river flows. So that whole thing was about the what. This next part that Ezekiel was shown can be seen of the how of the kingdom life of the person of God. How does it play out? How does, what, what do I actually have to do? What impact does it, does it have upon me? So in 46 or 47, 6, he, he starts out and he said, he said, son of man, have you, have you seen this? Do you, do you get this now? That you're, you're going from shallow to deep. You're going, as a matter of fact, in this river, it gets to the point where it's bigger than anything you can ever imagine. It's bigger than if you had a thousand lifetimes to live. You still couldn't get the whole way across it and do it. That's the kingdom we're a part of. Ever increasing, ever expanding kingdom. The message is, he's, he's get, he, and he's just literally presenting it to him. He's saying, did you get that message? Did you get it? It's one of the most important messages in this first year of being here at People's Church that I can bring to you. Are, you getting, are we getting the message? There's more ahead. The waters are deeper. It's, it's him that's taking us somewhere. It's not Gary and Susan or any, uh, anybody else or a collective of all of us. It's not about where we're taking. It's about us following where he's taking. And that's not just corporately. It's for you and you and you and you and you. He's got that plan for you as well as for us. Oh, he's a good God. And he's in a good mood. And you're on the winning side. And he's taking you somewhere. The message is go, deep, the, the, go deeper is the believer's journey. Going deeper is the believer's journey. And there will be pauses. Yeah, Paul was in the backside of the Arabian Desert for a number of years. Moses was 40 years in the Median Desert. I mean, you go through, yeah, there's, there's, there's that analogy and all that. God works it out. There, there are the places of rest. But even in that, he's preparing you to go to the next, to the next level. <clears throat> then the prophet was brought. He was returned. Okay, verse 6. He brought me and he returned me to the bank of the river. He saw the ever-deepening river, and then he was returned to this place. Maybe where he started, they're not even really sure. And this act of what we call conversion or turning to God is in reality a returning or a turning back again to him whom sin separates us from. Always keep that in mind. And so as he was getting this revelation of ever-deepening uh, uh, experiences with God, and there's more to be had, and, and as a matter of fact, there's more than you'll ever be able to con- contain, then he brings them back, and, he, and he's showing them, this is, this is where it started. This is, this is how it is. You see, as God sought you with Holy Spirit, when you were not caring one thing about him, he was coming after you so that you could return to the way that you were meant to be created and live your life and serve a wonderful, loving God. So we had this thing about conversion. We had this thing, oh man, they turned to God. Was really coming back to where we were intended to be all along. So what he's doing, he's getting us back to where we really needed to be all along. And sometimes there's a couple different paths and journey in parts of that process along the way, and it's all good. Pastor Mike even alluded to that. Uh, he doesn't let go easy. I know you're all sold out and you're there, but Somebody might watch this video in a month or two, and they're kind of hanging in there, and got one out here. Uh, he's not going to let go of you easy. He won't. He does, he's God. There's this thing about God that whenever he's got the title to it, whenever he owns it, he's not going to let anybody steal it. Let's move on. <laughs> What's happening here is he's getting you ready for there. Over in Revelation 22, we're not going to deal with that today. But the pattern that we're seeing here is really the eternal pattern that we're going to live in for eternity. And so all of this thing that, got, that the Spirit of God is doing, is what he's doing in you here is getting you ready for there. It's not going to be like you showed up and think, well, I, this is all brand new. I've never seen this before. 
Well, as you, as you walk out this life in the Spirit, there will be very familiar things that you'll be in the perfection of it when we get to heaven. Betty Jo, dear, dear, precious sister in this church, just a few weeks ago here, preached to her, loved her. And uh, a few days ago, she went on her final journey home. She's in the place that I'm talking about. And it's not, it's all new and it's glorious and all that, but she knows she's home. It's not like, wow, I've never, never thought about this before. No, it's, you're going to know. You're going to be known as you're known, and you're going to know him as he's known. So Ezekiel was being shown here what Jesus was teaching his disciples about when they said, Lord, uh, 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 John's disciples know how to pray. Would you teach us to pray? And the amazing prayer, the, way, the amazing way of what we call the Lord's Prayer, but this prayer lesson, this lesson on prayer that Jesus took his disciples into, one of the most defining things about the way Jesus said, this is the way I want you to view prayer, communicating with God, living your life in the Spirit, is that it's on earth as in heaven principle. That is, we are to live on this earth after the pattern of what it is in heaven. And on this earth right now, and, it never ha- and it's always been this way, the pattern is not at all like heaven. But for his people, we live and we desire and we long for and we, we return to God. I want to live my life after the, after the likeness of heaven, and I want to live it that way on earth. And it's a big, big call. And you're never going to get it all. You're going to fall short, all of that. But Jesus said, I want you to pray this way. Lord, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you can personalize it. Lord, I want your will to be done in me as I'm on this earth as what it's going to be when I'm in heaven. A dangerous prayer. I've been talking a lot about dangerous prayers. That's another dangerous prayer. Lord, I want to live my life now so that it meshes with and fits what what the kingdom of heaven is like. He'll take you up on that prayer. Get ready for the ride. It's fun. It's good. And so this returning, Ezekiel was experiencing, was a part of going through the waters. So there was a 4,000 cubit journey, right? He kept measuring out 1,000 cubits, ankle deep. Come on, let's go. And by the time he did that, it was a 4,000 cubit journey. It, the, the meaning of this whole process, it was very detailed. In the Old Testament, a cubit was 17 and a half inches. So he traveled through the river's waters, 4,000 cubits. Here we go. The Old Testament cubit is 17. So 17 and a half times 4,000 is 70,000. Some of you might, might be connecting dots about this whole issue of seven in the Bible. This isn't a mistake. I'm going to tell you what I think it's, look, or it's, it's leaning into. I'm going to tell you what I think uh, uh, it's, it's, it's helping us understand what he's trying to say here about this ever-deepening water. What does the number seven in the Bible mean? It appears over 700 times, this concept of seven, or some derivative of seven. Here's 70,000. I don't think it was a mistake when the angel was given the command by the Father, go and measure out a 1,000 cubits. Whenever it's all, when his journey is all done, he's going to be, he's going to have gone 70,000 cubits. What's it talking about? Seven refers to completion, perfection, exoneration. When you look at seven, what, when God said he created the earth and on the sixth day he was done creating, on the seventh day he rested and he looked around and, and it was good. It was completed. It was perfected. And you can go through this allegory. Oh, like I said, it's in the, it appears in the Bible in both Old and New Testament over 700 times. What, so what's he talking about here? It, it has to do with healing and fulfillment and fullness of promises and oaths. 
You're not meant to stay in ankle-deep water. God has more, and you are meant to be going into not being perfected on this side. That's not what I'm talking about, but coming into more fullness. You see, I think this is an incredible linkage to the works of the Holy Spirit that operate in our lives that I don't care if you started speaking in tongues three minutes after you got saved. There's more to being baptized in the Holy Spirit than just that. Amen. Amen. Now, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Paul said, I would that y'all spoke in tongues, and I would too. But just because all of a sudden you get this, this, this uh, manifestation, it's not like, oh, I arrived. Yeah, I'm as deep as I can go in this thing. Oh, no, you're not, honey. <laughs> you're just getting, you got your toe in. Well, I got water baptized. Great, great. You're on your ankles. Well, they dunked me the whole way. It's the beginning. There's a long ways to go in this thing. And so what he's, what the, the message he's saying is, listen, there, there is this process of God perfecting his will and purposes. Your, your, um, uh, your destiny in your life. Don't stop at the first thousand cubits. Okay? Keep going. You can go on in. And it's not... I'm not preaching old kingdom perfection on this side of glory. I don't believe that. And there is, there is a teaching that kind of goes in that. But I do believe that he never stops working and making us like Jesus to the very moment when we breathe our last breath and then we go and actually become like Jesus. The process never starts. Growing in God means going deeper into the things of God. All this journey we're on is about going from the shallow to the deep. The house of the kingdom life by the river. I'm going to give you four uh, here in just a moment. Or five, actually. But in Ezekiel 47, 7, okay, so he's brought, to the, brought back to the beginning. Here he's at the bank of the river, at the lip of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river, we're in 47, Ezekiel 7, in verse 7, very, uh, there were very many trees on one side and the other. Very many trees on both sides of the river. That is, it wasn't just trees on one side of the river. There were trees on both sides, and there was a lot of them. So what's being revealed is for, I believe, uh, of seeing all these trees is that they represent the people of God. Now, as I go in this, I, I, I'm making a caveat here, and this isn't, I don't actually believe this, but I'm being considerate to those that might hear this at some point and say, well, that's not for me. It's at least for the majority. Why? Because there was a lot of trees there. The, all, all those trees represent his people, kingdom people of God. I believe that everybody should be filled with the Holy Spirit and ever being filled more and more. But you might not look at it that way, and that's fine. But um, uh, it wasn't, oh yeah, there were a couple great big trees along the river, and then there were just all these little scraggly bushes. No, they were, they were all trees. And as we go into further the analogy here, you'll find that these trees had very specific impact and purposes. You see, when God looks at you, he doesn't see the brokenness. He doesn't see the failures. He doesn't see the sin. He why, well, how do you know that, preacher? That's part of my life. Well, because he said that when you come to him and the blood of Jesus applied to you, that your sins go as far from the east as from the west. That is, there's no connection to them anymore. Paul eventually went on and said, I lay aside, I forget those things of the past, and I press towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to let the past stop defining you. Why? Because you're on a journey into an ever-deepening experience of the kingdom of God. Now, that's part of your testimony. It always will be. I'm saying you can't, you know, that is, that is what you were and who you were and all that back then, but you're not that now. Amen. Who are you now? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
The thing that makes him God is he's bigger than any failure you may have ever had. Nobody else can do that. The legal system can't do that. Attorneys can't do that. Governments can't do that. Counselors can't do that. Schools can't do that. Degrees can't do that. There's only one that can make your past non-impactful on you now, especially your negative past, and that's God. Because he'll take you right where you're at, and he'll make you a brand new creation. Wow. Come to somebody say, thank you, Jesus. The how-to. Five ways to stay close to the river. Five ways to stay planted by the river. Over, over in Psalms 1-3. Michael, do you have that one? Right. He shall, this is in Psalms 1-3. He shall be he. The he is you. The, the believer, the one following the kingdom person, the one following the king, the one who is a disciple of Jesus. He shall be like a tree planted by... There it is, that plural rivers of water again. Jesus spoke out of, about it. You'll have rivers of living water coming. Ezekiel, look at it. I mean, it's all through the Bible. Here in Psalms, that the one that's following God, following Jesus, will be like a tree planted. The very analogy, the very thing that Ezekiel is seeing in the Spirit, David saw in the spirit when he wrote this song. He was like a tree planted by the waters that brings forth fruit in its season. Oh, as we go through, you'll, you'll see the dots connecting. Whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. When I graduated high school, my dear grandparents, my grandma and grandpa on my dad's side, gave me a Bible and had that verse written in the front of it. And it said, Gary, if you'll follow Psalms 1-3, you'll do good in your life. I thank God that they saw the ways of following the Lord are ways of life. So, five ways to stay close as you go in this journey on the river. Okay, what do I do, preacher? The what's are go from the shallow to the deep. What do I do to do that? What's the process? Well, there's a big process. I'm just going to give you five that I, I know work because I've used them. I see them over and over again in Scripture. I know other people have used them, thousands and thousands of people, and they, and they always work at keeping you deeper and taking you deeper. Um, number one, worship in spirit and truth. John 4, 24. He is seeking those who will worship in spirit and truth. Uh, what am I going to say about that? Don't just sing songs. Now, I love music. I love music before I was saved. I love music after I was saved. I was a rocker before I was saved. I love Led Zeppelin and Santana and all oh, the blood of Jesus. Thank you for healing me from all that. But I still like rock and roll. I just like God rock and roll kind of thing. We don't do much of that around here. Don't, don't get worried. Don't get worried. Pastor Mike's not going to glow long hair and start wearing tie-dye. We're, we're not going there. But um, uh, the whole point I'm trying to say, Jesus said worship isn't about just singing songs. Worship's about spirit and truth and engaging your life to melody, I believe, as you go in the Old Testament uh, likenesses of it and the New Testament likenesses of it. And you engage in that, in, that, in that hymn of heaven in your life. Do it in the great congregation, but do it when you're alone. Do it in the shower. Uh, do it as you're driving the car. Begin to worship. Don't just sing a song or two. Let it become God. This is my heart decla declaring to you of what I think of you and who I am and all of that. That is worship. And he loves it. He seeks it. And it takes you deeper into the river. Church, I'm just going to be truthful with you. We have a great worship team here. I love them. They work hard. They do all of that. And you're doing good too. But I'm just, I'm going to say, uh, it's not that we're at the shallow end. I'm going to say, the river keeps getting deeper in worship, okay? Now it's just, oh, I don't know. We might have a visitor. If you're a visitor here, God bless you. And I love you. And don't be offended by anything I'm going to say. Uh, because I'm talking to the folks that come here every week. Uh, it's time we kick it up a little bit in the pews, and on the stage, in what worship is. Oh, I said it. Do you still love me? I, okay, thank you. Uh, worship is an outward expression of 
what God is doing on the inside. And it doesn't have to be loud, but it doesn't have to be quiet. It doesn't have to be short, but it doesn't have to be long. It needs to be in spirit, and it needs to be in truth. That, what's that mean? What's true worship when it's coming out of your heart, truly connecting to him, declaring who he really is? You see, worship isn't about you. Oh, you might be singing in the words to be referencing you and what God did. On, but worship is about him. It's not about you. It's not about them or them or her or him. or they. Worship's about him. You can sing songs all day long about all, all the good stuff God does. But singing songs and worship are two different things. We need to move into another, into, into a little bit deeper part of the river when it comes to worship. And I'm deputizing Susan to show the example. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I want to go deeper. Work on your worship life. I want to get in the water more. Work upon your work on your worship life. Another one, how to stay. The what about going into the deeper end of the pool of God. Study the word. Don't just read the word. And I love reading the word. I do it every single day of my life, and you should too. But there's, and, and reading, it's not bad, it's not negative, it's not like, oh man, I'm just, I'm just barely, no, that's, that's not my point. Paul told his understudy, his young son in the Lord in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said, Timothy, study the word to show yourself, what? Approved. As what? A workman unto God. Why? So you're not going to be ashamed. He wasn't talking about Timothy's going to get up and have nothing to say. No, he said, as you live out your life and you live it out under understanding what the word of God is saying to you, it brings you out of what shame and disappointment and failure. It brings you to a high, it takes you deeper into the river. Study the word. Pastor, I don't know how to do it. If you've got one of these, and I think every baby in here from two years old on has one. <laughs> now, you might be like me and only know how to use two or three things on here, and it does who knows how much. Uh, you can find any way you want to study the word in this in 10 seconds. You can find any translation. You can find any concordance. You can find things that 150 years ago they would have spent days studying. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, Metropolitan Tabernacle, London, England, one of the first megachurches. In his office, I have the old, some of the old-time pictures. He had, he had tables, 25, 30 feet long, several of them, and they were lined on both sides with books. And they were all open. And what Charles would do was through the week, he would walk around the table and he would pick up a book. And then he would walk around this, oh, I see, and then he'd go to this side. And he'd pick up, a, and he walked around the tables reading and studying. And he was, there was a reason he was called the Prince of Preachers. Why? Because he studied. He knew what the book had to say. You need to know what the book has to say about your life and where you're at. <laughs> Study it. Don't just read it. This is what I couldn't believe in the offering. Develop a lifestyle of instant obedience. Preacher, I want to go deeper in the water. I want to get more of God in my life than I've ever had. All right? Start developing a lifestyle of instant obedience. You want to go from ankle to knees? You want to just, you want to just jump right over ankles and knees and go into the waist deep part? Start developing this commitment to God and this discipline of your own life. I'm going to, I'm going to develop, as much as within me, as Holy Spirit help me, a lifestyle of instant obedience to Him. So what's that mean? 
Okay, you're just minding your own business. You're shopping. You're doing. You're living life, and the Holy Spirit highlights an individual to you. And you, at that point, you're wondering. What, but really, what it means is you don't even have to wonder. It means He has somehow, some way that He wants you to interact with that person about Him. That's what it means. It might be giving them five bucks. It might be preaching a sermon. It might. It doesn't matter. It's not the what are you doing. It's the instant obedience. God, I'm not going to just ignore it and walk away. That's embarrassing. I learned this lesson when I was 22 years old. I mentioned last week, you know, I, I, I started welding and went to school and all that stuff to become a welder. And then I would weld and then I would go to school. And that's how I was getting my way through. And I started this job in Spokane, Washington and uh, got hired on to this job shop. And they repaired mostly uh, logging equipment and it was big, heavy, dirty, hard work. And it was, it was men in there that were not messing around with anybody. And the owner was in his early 90s. So one day, and he ran the lathe. He did a lot of the machine work of making parts that we would put on, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but uh, one day, and it wasn't odd, but this one day it was particularly intense. There were probably a half a dozen of us guys, and it was cold, and there was a wood stove burning, and we'd all gather around the wood stove at 6.30 in the morning getting ready to start. And he came out, and he was standing around with us around the wood stove, and he just started talking about life. I know young people don't understand that. <clears throat> Reminiscent. But when you get to the point in life, and both your grandparents are gone. And then you get to the point in life, and your parents are gone. And then you get to the point in life, even some of your associates and friends from earlier are gone. Then you start reminiscing. I know you think it might not be coming. Because I know I didn't. And they're all gone. And so I reminisce now. And that's how you know that I'm old. Beside just my way. Anyway, this man was reminiscing. And he was talking about, <laughs> just hold on, I won't use his mic. He was talking about women and cigarettes and alcohol and whiskey and guns. And it's not that I loved it, I did love the guns. <laughs> In the middle of that, and he said how he wished he would have chosen a different path. He said that. And these guys are standing around and I don't know what's going on in their mind, but I know what was going on in mine. The Holy Spirit said, here's your shot. I was 22, first couple days in the job. I had a Bible college bill coming up. And I chickened out. I'm going to tell you what happened the rest of that day. I remember it like it was yesterday. He's 90 plus. 20 minutes. Reminiscing. I'm a young guy. He's an old guy. And I began to notice that day, as I was loading the various trucks and putting parts on and guys coming and getting their stuff, I kept noticing all day long something that I, it, just, it was just odd, and that there were Christian bumper stickers on old beat-up logging trucks and, and uh, uh, four-wheel drives, and these guys that were dirty and grubby, and, and they were coming in, and, they were, and I'd see them, they'd go in to pay, and they paid him. And I saw them talking, I don't even know what they were talking about, but now I know in the spirit what they were, I know what they were talking about. Most of the day, Christ, this stuff where Christians were coming in. Later that day, he was, well, he was uh, on the lathe. It was cold. He had a long flannel shirt on and a jacket. And uh, got hooked up in the lathe. And he went up over the top. And slammed him on the metal table and ripped his top of his shirt and clothes right off his body. He jumped up off that table and sprung down on the floor like nothing happened. You would not want to mess 
with a 90-year-old guy like that. That's what I, and he's standing there, and he's got some blood coming out, and he's just standing there, and we run over, and he's like, get away. Are you all right? Leave me alone. All right. We had one of the main guys there was like the shop steward, and he kind of took him and got him put back together. You know what he did? He didn't go home. I think I got to go take a break. No, no, no. That was not the generation he was from. He finished out the day. Next morning, show up. Three or four of the guys standing around the stove, and they look rough. You probably already figured out what happened. That night, a blood clot from being slammed onto the table went to his brain, and he passed into eternity. I never forgot that day. I've had people say, man, Pastor, I really appreciate how you pray with people. You just, every opportunity you get, you pray with people. You know why? Because that day. You know why? If there's somebody I interact with and I don't pray with them afterwards, I repent because of that day. You don't know what, you think you know how many days you got left? You don't know nothing. Here today, gone tomorrow. You're not promised. Thou fool, you built your barns and built bigger barns and filled them and you thought it had and now you're going to sit back and take it, take it easy? Thou fool, this day your soul will be required of you. That's the world that we really live in. That's you as his ambassador, as his representative, as his apostle and the Holy Spirit being so gentle and time with you because you're just this little baby poo-poo and he just doesn't want to offend you. Oh man, would you maybe talk to them just a little bit? Oh, I don't think I got time or I can or I'm scared. This day may be their last. And you're one of the ones on the journey. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Develop a lifestyle of obedience. It doesn't matter if they laugh at you or call you names. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you think they were rough on me, you wait till you come along. And it's the dry season. Ha <laughs> ha. Boldness in the area of obedience. I won't go through. You got First Samuel up there. Throw up. Yeah, behold, it's, it's better to obey than the sacrifice. Oh, I give God. Okay. Why don't you try obeying? Uh, praise God you give. Keep doing that. Praise God you sacrifice. Great. Uh, try obeying if you want to go deeper. Now, if you just want to stay and paddle around in a little shadow, shadow in the pond with all the kitties. But he's serious about winning the loss. And you're a part of his army. I'll lighten up. Okay. The next one, pray often and pray with passion. James 5, you want to go deeper. James 5, 16 is confess your trespass to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. This is the part. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The little caveat here, don't substitute meditation for prayer. I love meditation. I do it every day. The meditations of your heart need to be stayed upon him. Meditation and prayer, all they're in the same category. But the prayer I'm talking about is the affection or the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails, accomplish, do much. Pray for one another. That's what we did today. That you may be healed. Not just physical healing, all manner of healing. Because the effective, fervent prayer. Well, I'm just, I'm just personally, I'm, I'm not an outgoing person. It's not about, I don't mean loud. I just mean engaged. You see, I think it's good when people see you and know that you're praying and not meditating. I've been in a lot of meditating meetings. <laughs> that is where you look around and it's like, man, 
Jesus was in one of those, remember? Oh, it was on a very important time in Jesus' life. He happened to end up in one of those prayer meetings. He's praying. He's sweating. Oh, it was so intense. He's sweating drops of blood. But they're meditating. And finally came and said, hey, boys, could you not tarry? You see, if you're going to go deeper, your prayer life is going to have to go with you. It's going to have to modify a little bit. Just like worship, just as all this other thing. You see, the deeper you go, the more serious it gets. Because if you're not fully engaged, you sink when you get too far. That's why it keeps a lot of people from going that deep. Uh, so, after that incident I just told you about, I, it took a while, but I finally adopted it. You know, I'm, I was born at night, and it's hard for me to figure things out at times. But I finally figured out, okay, God, uh, I'm going uh, to pray I want to pray with at least one person a day that I don't know. That's how I live my life. And I have for decades. And so you just kind of got to be watching. You want to go deeper? Okay, start watching. What's, what's going on? Oh, I'm just at the mall. Just, just serving the Lord. I want to pray with one person a day that I don't know. So I'm on the lookout. And I'm not an extrovert like my wife. But he always makes a way. Sometimes nobody that day, but next day it'll be two. You kind of see. This last night on a Thursday or Friday, I prayed with like six people. It's amazing when you're standing out front and you're cutting trees and just, you know, the world is walking by. The world goes by our door every day, by the way. Thousands, tens of thousands of them. Rich and poor and everything in between. We can surely pray with a few never, now and again, right? This is where I found out. The more serious you take that, the more opportunities he brings people into your life in the most unexpected ways. And, and, and here's what really comes down. You want to know how? This is, what, this is the how. Oh, I want to be deeper. I want to be deeper in prayer. I want to be a witness for God. The how is, at some point, you've got you to gotta, you gotta say something along this line. Would you mind if I pray for you? Could I pray with you? And I look him in the eye. And sometimes it intimidates them. And then other times, they look me back trying to intimidate me. But it's about prayer, I think. And up to this point, since I've been in Vancouver, I haven't kept numbers. That's not the point. The point is this. I've not had one say no. Not one. I've had some that could barely say yes, but <laughs> they didn't say no. And if they don't say anything, I just say, Father, I pray right now that you touch this person. And I just begin to pray and hard. Don't shut your eyes when you're doing that. It's just a little tip. <laughs> Learned it in Haiti. In a prison. They're on that side of the fence. This side. Oh, can I pray? Oh, we. Oh, God, touch them. Stuff comes through the fence. <laughs> it's real out there. Look them right in the eye and pray for them. Bless him in the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus said. I want to go deeper. Walk in the Spirit. This is the fifth way. I want to go into the deep water, preacher. Okay, you, know, you need to develop a life of walking in the Spirit. James 5.16. I say walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, some people are so, so engaged and wrestling with their flesh all the time. They never get around to where I'm going I'm to live life 
bigger than me walking in the Spirit. <clears throat> well, what's that mean? This is a little point. Don't, don't take the low road. Take the high road. My wife and I live our lives like that. And she's led me as many times as I've led her in this regard. Now, I'm going to give you a caveat right here as well. I'm just going to give you the full disclosure, the fine print. When you take the high road instead of the low road, you will be taken advantage of. You will. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't need to say anymore. You will end up on the short end of the stick. You will end up losing this or that. But the point isn't this, because it's not, I'm going to live and walk in the, in the world so I, I have everything. Get, no, you're walking in the Spirit so you're not fulfilled the lust of the flesh. Take the high road, not the low. What's that mean? For every time somebody is angry at you, you love them. And you, the Bible's full of it. It's there. I, 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 you just, you, you, you're, you're connected enough, you know. Whenever the opportunity for you to choose, do I go high or do I go low? Go high. Do I forgive or do I hang on? Forgive. Do I get mad or do I get glad? Get glad. Do I keep my mouth shut or do I really let them know what I keep your mouth shut? Even a fool appears wise if he keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> Susan and I quote that to each other all the time. I'm going to begin to wrap this up. I've got... The supernatural source that sustains your life is like water that flows. Then he said to me, verse 8, back to Ezekiel, verse 8, I'm going to wrap it up here in just a few minutes. Then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region. Okay, he was 70,000. Inches of water, several miles. And he came back and he said, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down in the valley, and enters the sea. A couple quick things. We'll wrap it up. The three certainties of how the Holy Spirit flows and how you stay in the flow. Well, he's like the wind. We, only, we don't know what he's doing. We only know when he's, when he's coming. We know, and that is true. But I can tell you, at least in my um, limited understanding of the word and, and the experience of life, I believe I can, I'm not overdoing it when I say the three certainties of how the Holy Spirit flows and how you stay in the flow. Verse 8, this water flows toward the east. It's always, it's always going towards the rising sun. And I don't mean S-U-N. I mean S-O-N. If everything in your life is to give glory to the Son, Jesus Christ, that is the Holy Spirit's job. You want to stay in the river and get deeper with the Holy Spirit? Always give your flow of life to bring glory to Jesus. That's a certainty of going deeper into the things of God. Everything about me, I want to magnify Him. Am I, am I there yet? No. Do I mess up? Yes. Ask my wife. She can enumerate it. And, uh, uh, and we're all the same in that. It, but, but, the, but the thing about being in the flow is the water always flowing towards the east where the sun is coming up, where the sun is rising. Dedicate your life to that. The water flows down into the valley. What valley is he talking about? I'm glad you asked. This water that he was seeing was going into the Jordan Valley, 1,400 feet below sea level, the lowest natural point on the earth's surface. That's where this river was going. What's the point? There's refreshing no matter how low you may get. The Lord forsook me. No, he didn't. The devil lied to you, but he didn't forsake you. There's refreshing 
No matter, David said, it doesn't matter if I'm in the deepest sea or the highest mountain. Yes, Lord, you are there. You want to be connected with what the Holy Spirit is doing and going deeper? Find the people that are so low that unless you're looking down into the chasm, you won't even see them. They sleep around this church almost every night. They're all up and down all over where we live and all over the world we live in. Don't be a fair-weather friend to the people that need you. When they hit a spot and it's rough and going on, you be the one who shows up. They're going through the Jordan Valley, the low spot. That's where the Holy Spirit goes. Can anybody testify? <laughs> oh, if you've been down there. I've been to. There is refreshing no matter how low it gets. Be a part of bringing refreshing to those who are stuck in the valley. I had a conversation with Vernon the other morning. I hear this conversation happening in the church now. It's not because I'm preaching messenger. It's just what the Holy Spirit's doing. We'll see where it all goes. Third thing is this water flows into the sea. The sea. The sea represents humanity. And it's all through the Bible. If you want to take and do the breakdown, you'll see it. And it's, it's there. This water flows towards the east, and it goes down in the valley, and it enters the sea. Where's the Holy Spirit going? Into humanity. Well, I thought he was coming into the church. Oh, he's already in the church. Where's he going? Into the sea. He is going into the sea. Are you going with Holy Spirit? He's taking you to where the people are, and they're not all in here. They're out there. Holy Spirit is always bringing the witness of Jesus to every kindred, tribe, and nation. Of Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 12. We're going to finish with this, and I'm going to read it. This river flows into, into the, towards the east, into the valley, and then into the sea. Revelation 7. After these things, oh, I wish I could. You go and read 8, 1 through 8. It's, this is incredible. I love, I love it all. This is so powerful. I'm just, you know, picking this out. After these things, this John, he's being shown heaven, okay? This pattern. He's seeing the reality of what happened because of what we're doing and now and part of it. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could number. Well, what do you think he's talking about? You know, a few million, a few. I think he's talking about tens and tens of trillions. And your brain can't even handle one trillion in understanding it. In our, okay. This great number of all nations, listen, no one can number them. There are so many. Of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches. <laughs> well, man, I wonder where I got the branches from the palms. Oh, remember that many, many multitude of trees along that river on both sides? It didn't say they were just one tree. There's all kinds of trees. Apparently, there's some palms there. That's just my interpretation. But they had them. And what they were doing with them was crying out with a loud voice. Somebody say, loud. <laughs> oh, I love you, Jesus. I'm just, I'm just... I'm being facetious. Allow me to do it. Lord Jesus, we love you. I don't really care if you don't notice it, if you notice everybody else. I've got my branches and I'm, I'm praising you loud, Lord. Looky, looky here, Lord. I worship you. I love you. She hates it when I say looky here. So that's why I do it. <laughs> oh, they wouldn't say that. In every kindred, every tribe, every language, and tongues. 
Anything that can be applied to glorifying his name, going to be applied. Even hick language. Ha, ha, ha. The Holy Spirit is always bringing the witness of Jesus to every kindred, tribe, and nation. We need to be a part of that. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Just shut your eyes. Lift your hands to the King of Kings. To the Lord of Lords. To the one that you'll be in that crowd. Now, I know as you go through that chapter, this is referring to those that were, uh, died during the tribulation. And the point is, yeah, that's just that multitude of them. But they're, they're incorporated in all the other innumerable amounts of, of all the souls that have come to God through the, through the millennia. And they're all there. And every angel ever created is there. The, as you go through the story, you'll be there too. And I don't know where you'll get it, but I expect you're going to have a palm branch. I'm going to have one. And it's, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to be bashful or shy when I stand before my king. So what do you say we do a little tune-up? Ha <laughs> Just lift your hands. And it might start out, it might be a little different for you, but just say, Lord Jesus, I praise you. Okay. Uh, let's do it again. We got the make-believe palm branches. <laughs> Where's that? Lord Jesus, I praise you. You are the greatest. There is none like you. You are the lamb which was slain from the beginning and foundation of the world. You've redeemed me. You've saved me. Come on, somebody, just start it. And with a loud voice, God, we give you glory that you loved us while we didn't love you, that you saved us. You reached down and plucked me out of the mud flat. You reached down and pulled us out of the drug hall. You reached down and brought us out of the pit. And God, I am here in the voice of everyone that can hear to say, I love you and I praise you. Let's put our hands together. God, there's no one like you and we give you glory today. Hallelujah! Lord, take off every bit of shame. Just begin to shake it off. Take off every bit of hesitation. Take back every bit of intimidation. Lift off of us anything that would put us down that we might rise to the glory of our God and to the praise of His Son. Jesus, we give you glory and praise in your name. And everybody said amen, amen. and amen. Your task is go out there and do this. <laughs> God bless you.